Journey into comics. Poor entertainment. Poor news. Foodies watching movies. Adulting 80s. Podcast read the voice of survival. Kids for sale. Gallif Radio. Bruise with dudes. Journey into wrestling. Journey into comics network. Journeyintocomics.com. Following the following journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. Hey yo, hi yo. This is Nick Maxson from Brews with Dudes, and you are about to embark on the Journey into Comics Best of the Week show, featuring highlights from all episodes on the network this week. So go ahead and sit back, crack open a tasty brew, and enjoy. Do I have everybody's attention now? We are live from Lafayette at the North End Pub, and we, as my guest joining me, back for the first time in for way too motherfucking long. Welcome back, Brando. What's up, Dudorinos? You are the co-founder of the Journey into Comics Network. Yeah. And you're back. Yeah. And we are here to talk a whole lot of wrestling. There's a lot going on. You know, there is, and of course, this is a, now they've officially established the Big Four mantra. They've, you know, for, for every one of the Big Four, the Rumble, Mania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, they always couple that in with almost a whole weekend, a whole myriad of events. And of course, the, like, Mania and SummerSlam are like the bigger of the two, but then, you know, you have the Rumble and you have Survivor Series that, that are more of a gimmicky type thing that also includes, like, from the takeover perspective, they now included that into the whole weekend of gimmicks as well with the second consecutive year of War Games. What an amazing evening War Games was. I love that you led us right into there because, uh, you know, watching last night, uh, when you watch a, a takeover event, you're never sure who's going to steal the show. It's like they have time and time again stars. Oh, welcome. Joining us, uh, the are you owner, co-owner, owner? One of the owners of the North End Pub, Mr. Casey Taylor. How's it going? How Pretty excited. Good. Let me see if I can get your mic a little bit louder. Keep talking. Keep talking. Talk about war games. Yep. That's what we're going to be getting into. Oh, yeah. Diving right into it. So this was an interesting war games because only four matches on the card last mm-hmm. night. And that was one thing that stood out. Uh, right out of the gate, we had an amazing match. Uh, Casey, I want to get your opinion on this right out of the gate. What did you think of the Kyrie Sane, uh, Shayna Baszler rematch, uh, two out of three falls? I thought it was a pretty good match. I thought it set up the whole future of the four horsewoman, really getting them involved, and especially after the Becky Lynch thing this week. Absolutely. I think it's just going to bring a lot of heat to that. Absolutely. Uh, I think that uh, those two have worked an amazing program against each other. This is the third time they've faced off that first match at the TakeOver during WrestleMania weekend, I think it was. Where they were also the finals of the Mae Young, too. And right? the finals of the Mae Young so that, Classic. So they've got this like long-storied rivalry. Then they swapped the title there for a second, didn't they? They did. Kyrie yeah. Sane steals it. with a, She's in the Kirafuda clutch and rolls over into a pin and beats uh, Shayna Baszler. And then Shayna gets the kind of BS assist from the Four Horsewomen, the last rematch that cost Kyrie Sane. And then... They got involved yet again mm-hmm. and almost set the tone for this event. But uh, what an interesting build on that match. I really like the idea. Okay, so this is, you know, them, them adding a gimmick to it pretty much signifies that, okay, this is going to be the blow off. You know, this is going to be the end of the feud. 
but with the two out of three, they were able to accomplish two things, and that were you know keep Shayna strong, you know, as well as keep building Kyrie, you know, and you don't hurt her too much coming out of this because of the odds that were against her, you know, and then of course she did get you know a fall victory over there, so the, so you have that, and coming out of it, the losing on the losing end, you know, her stock isn't devalued that much. Because it's like a stolen victory in a way, yeah, yes. I mean, but then again, you also have like the the sheer war and the uphill battle, and then you still have that classic heel mantra going on with Shayna, and you know, I mean, the thing is, is that, in, in, and I've always thought this for certain people, like the big giants or Brock Lesnar, or even like uh, for her, for somebody who is that much of a real badass. To get that a real good effect of heat, they almost have to be that chicken shit. And it's like, how do you believe that they're really a chicken shit? You know? But but when you put that other two people in there and you have them against it, it's almost like that this oppressive, like, no, I don't want them. Those those are dirty cheaters, you know? Yeah. Jasmine Duke is one of the two. I know her from Ultimate Fighter. I don't know the other lady's name, actually. I is the other one Roderick Strong's wife. Yeah, I think so. She's one I I couldn't I think that's right. But yeah, like uh the other thing I like about this is now this is a feud that's gone on for over a year now, mm-hmm. which at NXT you don't really see because it's always kind of that little feud, hand off the title, you're up. And really these two girls were kind of put in a tough spot because they had that mass exodus of talent last year. Yeah. And these two kind of had to hold the belt Be up. the division. Yeah. Really, totally be year. the division. Uh, do you think Kyrie has a possibility to sneak her way into Survivor Series and be a part of that five-on-five five that's missing one member? I think she could. I mean, I really thought whoever lost last night is probably not long for NXT. Yeah, because you're. I mean, you're not gonna. Kyrie Sane can't keep losing to Shayna Baszler over and over. That doesn't really help her. We also have to have to consider the changes that they're looking at doing to the NXT program into the next year, with them making changes to the network and adding a tiered subscription plan to that, and making. You, you don't know this? No, this is news to me. Actually, okay. So like Bring it on. on the last uh, uh, stockholders call or whatever they did, they pretty much confirmed that starting next year, at some point, they're going to be adding a tiered subscription service where, you know, the more money flowing in of that, they're going to be able to extend NXT to two hours and maybe, maybe even shop it to an actual network. Interesting. So, therefore, you, like, not only is it just a one-hour show every week that's there to build people up, you're building it to an actual different type of brand for the company that is also, you know, utilized to help bring, bring people over to the other shows, but maybe... Like what they tried to do with the ECW brand when they relaunched it, try to make it in there. It's like obviously a notch lower, but it's like there with the it's, others. It's still the same company, but it's almost its own different entity. Well, and and I really feel like they're able to do that with NXT anyway. Like the stuff that we were watching back like ten years ago, your Ring of Honors and your TNAs, things that were uh, carrying this other level of you know pace, the X division, all the you know that indie pace. WWE was like, we want that. But we're going to make that our own. Totally. And, and so they slap the NXT brand on there, and all of a sudden it's on their network. And you're getting almost that indie vibe out of that, but it's still WWE produced. And they can say, yeah, see, we can do it, and we can do it better than you guys. I mean, some would argue that NXT yet again. I mean, we haven't had Survivor Series yet, obviously. Mm-hmm. We're building to that. But you could almost say NXT already stole the weekend. Right. It, well, it does every time. That's <laughs> kind of the funny thing about it is every single time there's a takeover, I can't remember the last time where I thought the WWE Sunday night event was actually better than the takeover. I agree. Couldn't even remember. Yeah. I, and, I, yeah. And to be fair, they're two different you know, products, really, because you have the more um, higher 
uh, echelon main roster appealing to the masses. I, f- I feel like NXT can appeal to the masses, but it really adheres to the hardcore wrestling fan. Like that is their target market. They know it, and they pretty much they f- you give them their plate, your your plate, and they and they say, oh, you want some of this, you want some of this, you want some of this, and there's like, all right, now go next, and the next person comes up and they get their plate filled, and you you get almost everything thing you, that you want out of those shows. They do a great job creating feuds. The athleticism is mm-hmm. there. These guys are all creative and inventive and not afraid to try new things. Uh, we get a lot of that when we talk about the War Games match, especially mm-hmm. innovation. Uh, I do want to shortly mention that Matt Riddle match that didn't wasn't really a match, like 14 seconds or something. Yeah. I don't really get it. You know that he keeps going around saying he wants to beat Brock Lesnar? That doesn't... It doesn't make sense to me. Did you see the interview with Triple H after the event? No. All right. So, like, basically what what I read, like, the word is on the sheets. Okay. Uh, is that they wanted to do this, like, a debut, but they didn't want to announce it as a match because they didn't want people to feel disappointed. Oh, damn. <laughs> like, as far as, like, it being that short. Okay. So, it was kind of, like, impromptu type, type thing. But, like, Triple H is like, you see this guy, and you think he's a buffoon. You think he's just a goof. He's here, and he's like, what are you doing here? And the next thing you know, like, you're talking to him, and you realize how deeply embedded and how much he wants it and how, like, down here, his heart is in it. He's got that Miz drive. Yes, yes, great. It's, it's, what he, you know, it's something that he wants to do because he has love and respect for what it is, not just, hey, I did this other thing, and now I can come here and be a success. Yeah, well, I, my take on the match was more what happened to Cassius Ono. Like, I'm excited to see Riddle and see what he does, but it was just such a – so is he done? Yeah, you know, like, and, why and, do they keep knocking him down? Well, here's the thing: he doesn't got that Vince body, you know. I mean, that's well, what... and, and there's that, but there's one thing that, that that he is doing. He is a guy that worked the indie scene for how long? How many 15, years? Fifteen, fifteen you know? years, I think. Sixteen. He is a veteran. He is never going to be, unfortunately, a big name draw and star. So what they're doing is use, utilizing him here on this roster to help everybody else supplement the talent. You know, what? it's like, hey. You talk to this guy. He knows. He knows how to work a crowd. He knows how to work. He knows. How, you know, definitely like people who work with him come out the better for it. And so he is your uh, ninety, like early nineties version. Uh, this is weird. This is a weird little uh, comparison, but to Arn Anderson. Okay. Like I never believed Arn Anderson was ever going to be a world heavyweight champion, but he was always there, always getting involved, and he hardly ever won <laughs> unless it was by you know cheating. But True. like, but he always made other people better. And I feel like that's what they're utilizing him for because they, I don't, you know, you know, there's always that chance. Okay, he could go up to the main roster, but the main roster, look at what they're like they're doing with Bobby Roode right now, and how much more it, they could be utilizing him. It's probably my biggest complaint right now on the mm-hmm. active roster next to Finn, Finn and Bobby yeah. are my biggest complaints with what they do with it. But yeah, I mean the NXT it helps them to have a veteran because you can't just all have a bunch of early to mid twenty year olds running around back there. Like there's got to be some voice of old school kind of mm-hmm. how you have to handle yourself how you have to work in the ring and i think you know he can collect the paycheck but sadly he's there that's well, kind of his ceiling and it helps too because it, you can talk to h you can talk to the agents you can talk to those guys and get that but to be out there with them working with them and the dude's like all right what you just did now you know you know, walk them through Move it. Move your timing you know, like, a little it's bit. It's almost like learning on the job. You know, and it's like, all right, now we're going to the next night. Do you remember what we did last night? Here's what we're going to do, and we're going to try it, and it's going to work, and I'm going to show you why. Cassius Ono is on the job training. <laughs> yeah. That, that's real. Yeah. 
But I mean, those guys, they need it, you know, especially the, especially the young and up and comers who are probably at the house shows that aren't getting put on television, who are doing dark matches, who are like not yet ready for the t- television time, but will move up to that once the next round of the next class of NXT developmental yeah. runs in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you, uh, do you think there's a storyline possibility in the future coming where a WWE main roster guy goes backwards on purpose and says this is the land of opportunity this is where it's happening like those guys are old and doing it wrong i want to make my name here now even if they never were Mm -hmm. a part of nxt they actually have said that they have seen nothing like like there's nothing if somebody says they want to do that they'll be like go Interesting. Well, because think about it. Like, well, Drew McIntyre kind of had to do that, recreate himself, and it actually mm-hmm. does help him. I mean, he didn't do exactly what you said, but there is kind of a if you lose him, you make him kind of come through NXT. Because that's one mm-hmm. thing I do like they do is when they bring in other talent, unless it's super upper echelon talent, you kind of have to go through their little system. Totally. Right. And then you had like uh, a few years ago, Cesaro went down and worked a program with Sami Zayn. He was already on the main roster. Sami wasn't. But they had history on the indies. So, like, okay, go in there and show us what Sammy can do. In our, because there is a difference. They, they don't want you to work your indie style. It's almost like they beat that out of you. Like, all that stuff you learned, cool. Forget it. Transpose it. There's some who can and some who can't. And I think uh, as you know, somebody who I never would have thought that they would be into, somebody who I thought would have trouble coming into this environment, the, and those two guys are AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, and they both acclimatize themselves to what they want in, on the main roster that they want to see, the kind of stories that they want to be seen told in a style, you know. Absolutely. Uh, and, the, and, and the NXT and the Performance Center, that's what that's for. That's to sort of like re-educate you. It's like, all right, you know what you're doing, but now let's, let's really teach you. You know the finer tunes of what it because because you can go and re, you you could work indie shows and that's cool, but we're television, it's different. Absolutely, uh, I got to ask. We'll move forward a little bit here. So the Kyrie Zane match is first up. Then we had uh, the Alistar Black Johnny Gargano match yeah. next. Oh man, hard hitting, blood just blood feud through and through. We were laughing earlier. Do you remember in Chicago Takeover when there was the awful? Uh, fade to black, and he, you know, came up short on uh, what's his name, the ugly dude, and he sat there. Oh, uh, Lars, Lars Sullivan, yeah. and, and Lars tried to sell it, and it missed him by a foot. Totally, you know, like, yes, missed him by a foot. And Tommy and I were talking ever since that moment. He is knocking people's heads off. Oh yeah, he <laughs> like, does not miss. He doesn't want to miss, man. But that uh, he did the black mass, ended it with the second knee strike, and then did another black mass. Um, this was a brutal match that they've just done a great job of setting the seeds a long time ago and letting this build. I just want to say that, like, one thing that I will say about, like, an NXT show is that they have a little bit more freedom to cut the pace that they want to cut. And their pace, it, it was almost like they wanted to go out there and they wanted to tell, you know, all the other guys the next two matches to come, beat that. Well, that's what was so funny about last night was when I got done watching that, I was like, man, that's a good early match and then the next one happened and it was yeah. like man that was a great match it, it's it? almost you're tired watching it you know but yeah, by the time it's all done you're just like time for a nap oh uh, yeah dude <laughs> I, I recorded a podcast after i was fucking exhausted <laughs> you know like i'm like 
Oh my gosh, it was it was crazy. It was crazy. And I think from what we were kind of talking earlier about too is why NXT is so great is because those guys are going to use that stage. They only get five a year. And here we go, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Journey into Comics. So, uh, unfortunately, Stanley, um, a pillar of Marvel and a pillar of the comics community and a, a beacon of hope in this world um, at the age of 95 years old has passed away on Oct- or on November the, uh, the 12th, so a week ago. By the time this is hitting your guys' ear holes, uh, man, so it's crazy because you could almost be like, Nate, why does it matter? You didn't personally know this guy, you know? Well, I didn't personally know him, but I did actually get a chance to briefly meet him. Now, let's take you back to C2E2, uh, 2013 or 2012. It was, I can't really remember which year. It was one of the years I went to C2E2. I went a couple, three years, two or three years there. And we go, I'm walking down Artist Alley, and I turn the corner, and who's there but fucking Stanley? He's in Artist Alley, he's talking to one of the artists. And I literally just walked up, I tapped him. Hey, nice to meet you, shook his hand, you're a huge, huge fan, I'll go. I'm not trying to bother you, and I just kept going. I did not really, I, I didn't stop for a picture, I didn't do any of that shit, it was just super fast, because to me... First of all, he was out in Artist Alley with a bodyguard, and uh, you know the he you know the bodyguard obviously saw me not coming up, being threatening, and I was very like, "Hey, hi!" <laughs> like, "Holy shit, you're st- oh my god, you're Stanley!" Can I like shake your fucking hand? It was cool. It was great. So that was an amazing moment that I'll never forget because it was just like this chance meeting. Like I happened to be at that part of Artist Alley in the one particular moment where he was talking to one particular artist. I'm not sure if it was Mark Bagley or whoever it was. I I can't. I genuinely don't remember who exactly the creator was that was sitting at the table that Stan went to talk to at that time. But uh, I know that I was going down Artist Alley to go back to talk to David Mack, actually. And, uh, God, I'd love to have him on the show sometime. He's such an interesting individual, David Mack. He's very insightful and very peaceful, calm with his words, you know, well-spoken and, and brilliantly delivered across the board. So, uh, man, the Stanley death thing really rocked me. I'm sitting there and, you know, uh, I just was scrolling and TMC had reported that Stanley passed away and I was just like, oh my God, this is crushing. So I immediately shared it cause it was, you know, my thought is like this, like TMZ, I actually trust them as a resi- reliable news source. So when I see them, I go, oh fuck. The shit's real. Like they wouldn't say that if they were being. They're not gonna be funny that they coax some people. That's not really what TMZ is all about. And they very rarely get caught up in those hoax fucking stories, you know. So, I uh, I don't know, man. It was just like it hit me hard. Stanley created so many amazing comic book characters, and you know, you talk about uh, obviously. My number one all-time favorite character, Spider-Man. Um, most notably, he uh, he he he. Cre- you know, he did do a large chunk of creating Spidey and the, the fucking Rogues Gallery of the villains, and 
and setting the stage for the Spider-Man universe as a whole. Uh, Spidey gets the scenes that are on the in the Amazing Fantasy 15, which is the debut of Spider-Man. He's on the cover even. Um, it was like a one-shot with, uh, you know, uh, Stan Lee writing it, but it was art done by Steve Ditko, which, oh, man, those two become like, uh So as fate would have it, several other Spideys, uh, car- you know, uh, the, it was just like there were other people that appeared in Amazing Fantasy 15, Aunt May, Uncle Ben, Flash Thompson, Liz Allen. So it's kind of setting the stage for him. But other characters within Spidey's universe. I mean, in, and I'm just going to go kind of like for off the top of my brain meets here. Um, I know that he helped create uh, Jonah Jameson and Tinkerer and Doc Ock and Mysterio, one of my all-time favorites, appearing in Amazing Spider-Man 13 and Electro and uh, Scorpion, and Gwen Stacy, and Harry Osborn, and Shocker, and Rhino, and Craven and Lizard, I think I said that already, Sandman, uh, Vulture, oh shit, uh, th- um, Ned Leeds, who has a big story with the Clone Saga, uh, Jackal, another Clone Saga character, uh, Mary Jane, Prowler, you know, so Stan, I mean, really set the stage and created all these amazing characters for Spider-Man and was such a huge integral part of creating these stories that are so memorable and the lineage and history of the character of Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Obviously, uh, Stanley and Jack Kirby worked their asses off to create this huge new universe, which was the X-Men. So, uh, you know, obviously the original five Beast, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Iceman, Angel, and Professor X, as well as Magneto, all debuting in X Men One, all created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Other characters, including like uh, you know, you've got uh, the Sentinels, Juggernaut, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver, which appear as X Men first before they were ever Avengers or any of that shit. Toad, Blob, Sentinels. Uh, that's all I can think of right now. And then one of my personal favorites that he created, the Fantastic Four, his first family, the home run. It was the real first time they ripped it open and said, we're going to take this shit over and do things our way. We're going to create the stories that we want to read. And this is our one chance. Even if it fails, it doesn't matter because we're leaving. So it's all said and done. It doesn't matter. They roll the dice. They create Reed Richards, Sue Storm, Johnny Storm, Ben Grimm, as well as Dr. Doom and Galactus. That's Jack Kirby and Stanley yet again. They also created characters like Mole Man, as I said, Doctor Doom, Uatu the Watcher, famously in Fantastic Four 13, an issue that I have. I have a lot of issue 13s from those classic eras. Mysterio's first appearance in Amazing Spider-Man 13, Uatu's uh, first appearance in Fantastic Four 13. I think I have the second appearance of Juggernaut in X-Men 13 as well. I have to. I would have to look that up because I can't. Actually, I'm, I'm I'm definitely certain that's his second appearance because I'm pretty sure his first appearance is issue 12 of uh, X-Men. And then, yeah, anyways, uh, Super Scroll, also Kang the Conqueror, Galactus Silver Surfer, Ronin the Accuser, Annihilus, Franklin Richards. I mean, God, think about that. Okay, also another, people, another character Stanley creates is the Hulk. Just in the Hulk alone, just the Hulk, just say the Hulk. Ultra memorable character created by Stanley. Daredevil. Another one, great. Iron Man, amazing. Uh, Thor, 
Doctor fucking Strange. I mean, and and people within Doctor Strange's world, like Kaecilius and Enchantress and Mephisto, and uh, I know he created Dormammu or helped create Dormammu. I can't, who do you, who do you work with? Uh, oh yeah, it was, it was it was Steve Ditko. He and he and Ditko had an amazing amazing Doctor Strange run there, creating a lot of different characters. Uh, he creates Black Panther first appearing in Fantastic Four fifty two. Creates the Inhumans first appearance of Fantastic in first appearance of them in the fantastic four um 44 45 and 46 for the majority of the team but medusa appeared way back in 36 first and then everybody else shows up later in those 40s he also helped create ant-man hank pym egghead wasp giant man goliath bill foster he also had his hand in helping create groot fing fame boom nick fury baron zemo hawkeye wonder man eternity hercules Batrock, Sharon Carter, Peggy Carter, The Collector, Ares, The Living Tribunal, uh, Forbush Man, Adam Warlock, Modok, Black Knight, Captain Marvel, which was, I'm pretty sure, Marvel, not like Cara Danvers, Cara Danvers, Man Thing, Falcon. I mean, he created like 100 fucking characters or more, you guys. The man is a fucking legend. And should be revered as such. And it just breaks my heart and soul that he is gone. And I know that he... I'm not... You know, it's crazy. I'm not the only motherfucking human on Earth that's mourning the loss of Stanley. Obviously, his family. Shout out to the Lee family. His daughter, uh, Casey, JC. I think it's JC. uh, You know, having to deal with this shit. But it's like... With any celebrity death comes other people commenting on it we're in this era now where you know 2018 going here into 2019 i can't believe we're so close to it we're in an era now where as soon as something happens we can get people's immediate opinions and feelings and thoughts and gut reactions boom what's the first thing you thought of as soon as you heard this news what did you go and tweet you put your thoughts together you wanted to make a statement say something what did you say and so many people came out and said beautiful things we're going to get to those in just one second. But before we get to those beautiful things, because I also, I just want to kind of try to do this on a high note. It's like Stanley's death, just like his life in the later years, is is being marred in like a little bit of controversy because people are talking shit. Uh, Army, Army Hammer. I'm not even going to address that because I don't fucking like that guy. He, and he should never have ever been considered for the role of Green Lantern. Fuck him. But I digress. Uh... I'm not saying anything more, but this thing with Bill Maher, I want to talk about it. You know, it's weird. I had a lot of respect for a while for Bill Maher. Uh, He made this documentary, Religious, and it really opened my eyes, and it gave me an opportunity to look at things uh, a little bit more clearly, I think, because, you know, I get it. We are all these creatures on Earth, and we're human people, and um, we're trying to do our thing and, and create our own worlds or whatever. Um, and, you know, forge our own path, as it were. But uh, some people think that there's a path that's been predestined for them and that, well, God damn it, not mean to take dude's name in vain, but, like, like God damn it, if I just trust in this dude, shit's going to go right. And then shit never does. And people are divorced and smoking and cheating and being evil and having all these things fall apart and, you know pedophilia is running rampant within churches and Catholic churches and shit like that. And it's like, uh, you know, 
the religious documentary in short not to tangent super hardcore i know this is journey into comics where tangents are a frequent thing but uh he just opened my eyes to this like possible way of thinking so i did have some respect for bill maher but his uh, most recent comments have me fucking heated i'm just gonna read some shit that he said you guys he obviously has this show uh or i i guess he actually wasn't doing it on his show um this time it was actually a blog post okay um where he says the guy who created spider-man and the hulk has died and america is in mourning deep deep mourning for a man who inspired millions to i don't know watch a movie i guess someone on reddit posted i'm so incredibly grateful i lived in a world that included stanley personally i'm grateful that i lived in a world that included oxygen and trees but to each his own Now, I have nothing against comic books. I have read them now and then when I was a kid and when I was all out of Hardy Boys. But the assumption everyone had back then, both the adults and the kids, was that comics were for kids. And that when you grew up, you moved on to big boy books without the pictures. Um, But then, 20 years or so ago, something happened. Adults decided that they didn't have to give kids stuff up. And so they pretended comic books were actually sophisticated literature. And because America has 4,500 colleges, which means we need more professors than we have smart people, uh, some dumb people got to be professors by writing these titles with like otherness and hedoxy in the silver surfer or heteroxy in the silver surfer. And now when adults are forced to go do grown-up things like buy auto insurance, they call it adulting and act like it's some giant stroke. So, he's just, uh, he's just being an asshole, you know, and I'm not really a humongous fan, uh, and a lot of people aren't a humongous fan either because the comic book industry responds, and I have some stuff that I've got pulled up here thanks to the amazing comicbook.com, bad shout out to them. Uh, here are some of the things that were in the comic book world responded to. Okay, here we go. Um, from Andy Corey. Not Andy Cordy. Andy Corey. Uh, Bill Maher. I don't think it's a huge stretch to suggest that Donald Trump could only get elected in a country that thinks comic books are important. Yeah, where's the rest of the fucking thing? Because there was other shit on that. I want to fucking pull up full op-ed and finish reading that first. Oh, there's that sad-ass music. You're listening to Poor Entertainment! With your host, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Andrew Poor! This is from uh, BGR, which I know they don't change, I found this, they post something. So, um, before his death at the age of 95, Stanley told me he wanted to be most remembered for Spider-Man. The last few years, Marvel's legendary writer, editor, and publisher were certainly rough. Before his death, confirmed today at age 95, Stanley had been embroiled in nasty litigation and other unpleasant matters related to his personal affairs. He had lost his beloved wife of 69 years, Joan, who died in 2017. Before all of that, he had begun in earnest, though. Against thoughts of Stan about his career among the highlights he shared with me, no way did he want to slow down, never mind that he was in his 90s. He was hard of hearing, so he had to repeat most of your questions at least once, but he gave as good as he got. Asked about his creative habits, for example, 
If he was the kind of artist you imagine who's constantly scribbling down in a notebook. I do not scribbly snap back in that thick accent. I have beautiful penmanship. Stan, who news reports say died this morning at Cedar Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles, also told me that for everything he's done since starting in the business in 1939, creating or co-creating everything from the mighty Thor to Iron Man, the Fantastic Four, and so much else, I also want to be remembered for the creation of Spider-Man. I must admit, I love them all, he told me during an interview I did with him a couple years ago, but all of them, I'd say that's my favorite, because of what he captures the imagination of readers all over the globe. The Manhattan-born comic book legend leaves behind a body of work that includes some of the most popular and lucrative franchises in entertainment. The Walt Disney Company snapped up Marvel for $4 billion back in 2009, and as noted by The Hollywood Reporter in a piece today, most of the top-grossing superheroes of all time, led by the Avengers' $1.52 billion worldwide take in 2012, featured Marvel characters. Stan told me he was never going to slow down. I f- still feels like I'm playing. This is my form of golf. He was still cooking up new ideas, new characters. It's the most fun you can have, and then after a while you see the result of all your deal-making and thinking and of characters. You see it on the screen or even a graphic novel. To see the finished product after you've been working on something for months is the best feeling. What was so great about talking with Stan, even at such an advanced age, was how enraptured he still was by the comic book as an art form. Indeed, he told me the future seems to be looking brighter and brighter for them. Comics were sort of fading away a decade or two ago, but the success of Marvel movies and TV shows, they have had a resurgence in popularity. And I get the feeling they will be forever now. And that was, like I said, it was from BGR, and then I'm going to move into this, uh, the Hollywood Reporter article, which is titled, Stan Lee, Marvel Comics, Real Life Superhero Dies at 95. A lot of this is going to be a lot of overlap, because obviously everyone's giving their tribute, but um, the Feisty writer... Sorry, I kind of... The Feisty writer, editor, and publisher was responsible for such iconic characters as Spider-Man, the X-Men, Thor, Iron Man, Black Panther, and the Fantastic Four. Enough said. Stan Lee, legendary writer, editor, and publisher of Marvel Comics, was fantabulous but flawed creations made him a real-life superior to comic book lovers everywhere. He died. He was 95. Lee began in the business in 1939 and created or co-created Black Panther, Spider-Man, the X-Men, the Mighty Thor, Iron Man, the Fantastic Four, the Incredible Hulk, Daredevil, and Ant-Man, amongst countless other characters, died early Monday morning at Cedar sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles, a family representative told The Hollywood Reporter. Kirk Schneck, attorney for Lee's daughter, J.C. Lee, also confirmed his death. Lee's final few years were tumultuous. After Joe and his wife's years died in 2017, he sued executives at Power Entertainment, a company founded in 2001 to develop a film and TV and video game properties for $1 billion alleging fraud, then abruptly dropped the suits weeks later. He also sued his ex-business manager and filed for a standing order against a man who has been handling his affairs. Lee's estate is estimated to be worth as much as $70 million. And in June 2018, it was revealed that the Los Angeles Police Department had been investigating reports of elder abuse against him. On his own and through his work with frequent artists, writers, collaborators, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, and others, Lee catapulted Marvel from a tiny venture into the world's number one publisher of comic books and later in a multimedia giant. In 2009, the Walt Disney Company bought Marvel Entertainment for $4 billion, and most of the top-grossing superhero films of the time, led by Avengers Infinity War 2.05 billion worldwide take earlier this year, have featured Marvel characters. I used to think what I did was not very important. He told the Chicago Tribune in April 2014, People are building bridges and engaging in medical research, and here I was doing stories about fictional people with extraordinary, crazy things and wear costumes. But I suppose I would come to realize this entertainment is not easily dismissed. Least fame and influence, that's the face and figurehead of Marvel, even in his nonagenarian years, 
remained considerable. Stanley was an extraordinary as a character as he created Disney chairman and CEO Bob Iger said in a statement, a superhero in his own right to Marvel fans around the world. Stan had the power to inspire, to entertain, and to connect. The scale of his imagination was only exceeded by the size of his heart. Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige also paid tribute. No one has seen, no one has had more of an impact on my career and everything we do at Marvel Studios than Stan Lee, Feig uh, said. Stan leaves an extraordinary legacy that will outlive us all. Our thoughts are with his daughter, his family, and the millions of fans who have been forever touched by Stan's genius, charisma, and heart. Beginning in the 1960s, the irrepressible and feisty Lee punched up his Marvel superheroes with personally, personality, not just power. Until then, comic book headliners like those of DC Comics were square and well-adjusted, but his heroes had human foibles and hang-ups. Peter Parker, Spider-Man, for example, fretted about his dandruff and was confused about dating. The evildoers were a mess of psychological complexity. His stories taught me that even superheroes like Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk have ego deficiencies and girl problems do not live in their macho fantasies 24 hours a day. Gene Simmons of Kiss said in a 1979 interview, Through the honesty of guys like Spider-Man, I learned about the shades of gray in human nature. Kiss made it to the Marvel pages, and Lee had Simmons bleed into a vat of ink so the publisher could say the issues were printed with his blood. The Manhattan-born Lee wrote art directed and edited most of the Marvel series in newspaper strips. He also penned a monthly comics column, Stan Soapbox, signing off with his signature phrase, Excelsior. His way of doing things at Marvel was to brainstorm a story with an artist, then write a synopsis. After the artist drew the story panels, Lee filled in the world balloons and captions. The process became known as the Marvel Method. Lee collaborated with an artist-writer, Kirby, on the Fantastic Four, Hulk, Iron Man, Thor, Silver Surfer, and X-Men. With artist-writer Ditko, he created Spider-Man and the surgeon, Doctor Strange. And with artist Bill Everett, came up with the blind superhero, Daredevil. Such collaborations sometimes led to credit dispute. Lee and Ditko reportedly engaged in bitter fights, and both received writing credits on the Spider-Man movies and two TV shows. I don't want to think I treated Kirby or Ditko unfairly, he told Playboy magazine in April 2014. I think we had a wonderful relationship. There was Their talent was incredible, but the things they wanted weren't in my powers to give them. Like any Marvel employee, Lee had no rights to the characters he helped create and received no royalties. In the 1970s, Lee importantly helped push the boundaries on censorship in comics, delving into serious and topical subject matter in a medium that has become mindless, kid-friendly entertainment. In 1954, the publication of psychologist Frederick Wortham's book, Seduction of the Innocent, had spurred calls for the government to regulate violence, sex, drug use, questioning of public authority figures, etc., and the comics as a way to curtail juvenile delinquency, where your publishers headed that off by forming the Comics Code Authority, a self-censoring body that, while avoiding the heavy hand of Washington, saw neutering adult interest in comics and stereotyping the medium as one only kids would enjoy. Lee scripted banal scenarios with characters like Nellie the Nurse and Tessie the Typist, but in 1971, he inserted an anti-drug storyline into The Amazing Spider-Man, in which Peter Parker's friend Harry Osborn popped pills. Those issues, which did not carry the CCA seal of approval on the covers, became extraordinarily popular, and later the organization relaxed some of its guidelines. Born Stanley Martin Lebron, December 28, 1922. He grew up poor in Washington Heights, where his father, a Romanian immigrant, was a dress cutter, a lover of adventure books and Errol Flynn movies. Lee graduated from DeWitt Clinton High School, joined the WPA Federal Theater Project, where he appeared in a few stage shows and wrote obituaries. 
1939, Lee got a job as a golfer for $8 a week at Marvel predecessor Timely Comics. Two years later, for Kirby and Joe Simon's Captain America No. 3, he wrote a two-page story titled The Trader's Revenge that was used as a text filler to qualify the company for the inexpensive magazine mailing rate. He used the pen name Stan Lee. He was named interim editor at 19 by publisher Martin Goodman when the previous editor quit. In 1954, he enlisted in the Army and served in the Signal Corps, where he wrote manuals and training films for the group that included Oscar winner Frank Capra, Pulitzer winner William Soroyan, and Theodore Geisel, a.k.a. Dr. Seuss, after the war he returned to the publisher and served as the editor for decades. Following DC Comics' lead with the Justice League, Lee and Kirby in November 1961 launched their own superhero team, the Fantastic Four, for the newly renamed Marvel Comics. The Hulk, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Daredevil, and X-Men soon followed. The Avengers launched as its own title in September 1963. Perhaps not surprisingly, Manhattan's high literary culture vultures did not bestow its approval on how Lee was making a living. People would avoid me like the plague. Today, it's so different, he once told the Washington Post. Not everyone felt the same way, though. Lee recalled once being visited in his New York offices by Federico Fellini, who wanted to talk about nothing but Spider-Man. In 1972, Lee was named publisher and relinquished the Marvel editor reigns to spend all his time promoting the company. He moved to Los Angeles in 1980 to set up an animation studio and to build relationships in Hollywood. Lee purchased a home overlooking the Sunset Strip that was once owned by Jack Benny's announcer, Don William. Don Wilson, sorry. Long before his Marvel characters made it to the movies, they appeared on television. An animated Spider-Man show with memorable theme song composed by Oscar winner Paul Francis Webster of The Shadow of Your Smile fame and Bob Harris ran on ABC from 1967 to 1970. Bill Bixby played Dr. David Banner, who turns into a green monster played by Lou Ferrigno when he gets agitated. In the 1977-82 CBS drama The Incredible Hulk, and Pamela Anderson provided the voice of Stripperella, a risque animated Spike TV series that Lee wrote for in 2003-2004. to Lee launched the internet-based Stanley Media in 1998. The superhero creation, production, and marketing studio went public a year later. However, when investigators uncovered illegal stock manipulation by his partners, the company filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in 2001, Lee was never charged. In 2002, Lee published an autobiography, Excelsior, The Amazing Life of Stan Lee. Survivors include his daughter and young, younger brother Larry Lieber, a writer and artist for Marvel. Another daughter, Jan, died in infancy. His wife, Joan, was a hat model whom he married in 1947. J.C. Lee and all of Stan Lee's friends and colleagues want to thank all of his fans and well wishes for their kind words and condolences, a family statement read. Stan was an icon in this field. His fans loved him and his desire to interact with them. He loved his fans and treated them with the same respect and love they gave him. He worked tirelessly his whole life, creating great characters for this world to enjoy. He would inspire our imagination and for us all to use it to make the world a better place. His legacy will live forever. Like Alfred Hitchcock before him, the never-bashful Lee appeared in cameos in the Marvel movies, Shown avoiding falling concrete, watering his lawn, delivering the mail, crashing a wedding, playing a security card, etc. Spider-Man 3, he chats with Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker at the stop in Times Square Street to read the news that Lebsinger will soon receive the key to the city. You know, he says, I guess one person can make a difference. Enough said. And moving on to the last article that I want to discuss before I'll throw it to myself from two years ago. It was a very new, very different performance on a very old mic and definitely not as practiced as I am now. But these are the statements from basically a, a bunch of celebrities, so I'm just going to run it through here. Uh, 
we already heard what uh, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige said. Um, Chris Evans, who played Captain America for the past seven years until he recently announced he has hung up his shield, tweeted, There'll never be another Stan Lee. For decades, he provides both young and old with adventure, escape, comfort, confidence, inspiration, strength, friendship, and joy. He exuded love and kindness and will leave an indelible mark on so, so many lives. Excelsior. Eventually, Lily tweeted, Stan, more than a master of stories, you always seem like a master of living. I'll look to you for inspiration for the rest of my life. You live on. XOXO, your wasp. And continued a separate tweet asking fans to flood the internet with any artwork that had ever been created out of the inspiration from Stan Lee. While starting the hashtag, break the internet for Stan. Uh, Bill Rosman uh, said, You may not know about it, but your stories, editorial notes, letter pages, and soapboxes that we read growing up became the voice we needed to guide us through life and inspire us to strive to be the heroes that you knew we could be. Rest in peace, Stan Lee, and thank you. And then James Wan said, Aw oh, man, heartbreaking. R.I.P. to a true pioneer and legend. My youth wouldn't be the same without him. So grateful to have met the guy and told him how thankful I was for his work. Stanley, a true pioneer, has passed away. The, uh, that was the Fandango posting. Uh, Joseph Cotton wrote, I wrote a fan letter to Stanley as a kid. He sent me a thank you note and signed a copy of How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. It was a part where it compares two different ways to frame a dialogue scene. I literally started my filmmaking education there. Uh, Larry King wrote, We lost a real superhero today. Stan Lee was a visionary who elevated imaginations across the globe. I'm grateful for the time I got to spend with him. Rest peacefully, Stan. And then Mark Hamill wrote, His contributions to pop culture was revolutionary and cannot be overstated. He was everything you hoped he would be and more. I love this man and will never stop missing him. They say you should never meet a childhood idol. They are wrong. Hashtag rest in peace, Stan the man. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis tweeted, Thank you, Stan Lee, for your service in protecting our freedom and for creativity and imagining. You're, you, will, you were and will always be a superhero. For you, of course. Uh, Four things you're thankful for. Four things I'm thankful for. Okay. Um, And why. And why. Mm -hmm. Well, number one, you, because obviously. It's not a good why. Because you're the best thing that ever's happened to me. Stop. Aw. So cute. Okay, number two. Number two. um, My health. Yeah. Because health is always the thing that's important, and it, especially this area, like, I didn't fall off the roof while cleaning the gutters and, like, break my leg because Liz would not look at me <laughs> if I would have done that. She'd be like, all right, wedding's off, need to walk on the island. If you have to be on crutches, it's not going to be a thing. Well, actually, we know we're still six weeks out. I could be off the crutches. Mm-hmm. You're like, don't even joke about that. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Let's see. What would be a good third thing? Um, I'm thankful for time off because work can be stressful and I know you're probably the same way is that sometimes you just need that breather in the middle of winter when everything else is busy going that you can be like I don't have to worry about work stuff I can just worry about getting my own stuff done and just enjoying some time yeah um, number four number four um I 
And I was like, it's a stereotypical one. And I'm, to- I'm torn. I'm going to say family. Mm-hmm. This family is also very important. They're the ones you can turn to when things are bad. But I'm also thankful that Cyber Monday is just around the corner and I can see all the nice deals that are coming out. Even though we're not doing Christmas, there's still a way for Andrew to be online shopping. Because I like movies. And movies are always a big thing that's on sale for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Mm-hmm. Aren't you going to ask me? Yes. What are your top four things? Um, these are not in order of importance, but I'm just going to go. I'm thankful for our pets because I oh, make... They make me feel good, especially after a rough day. I love having Maxie around and the roars. giving him him giving me love no matter what. And Rory, who just walked off my lap after giving me some nice little, like, on my lap time. And Daisy, even though she a little... Doesn't like you as much as she likes She me. tolerates me. But I still love her because I love that I got I picked her out. You did. You picked out all the pets. Well, yeah. I, I helped pick out all. You the were pets. the you were the catalyst on all of the pets we currently have. Yep. Still trying to get number four, but I don't think that's gonna happen. Coming in twenty nineteen. Coming in twenty nineteen, a buddy foundation puppy. Maybe. No. Maybe. Probably not because then I would be, we'd be more broke than we already are. Woo! We would just, but full, but so much love. Yes. Um, number two, and again, these are not my, like, not chronological, these are not by priority or best or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thankful for my coworkers because they make going to work very bearable because some days it's not very bearable to go to work, mm-hmm. but I can always count on my eighth grade teamies to help me, give me a good laugh, talk about kids and joke and whatnot it's a good feeling um so it's number two number three i'm going to say obviously family because i love them and i will miss them this thanksgiving and i'll probably be like constantly thinking about it and constantly judging andrew's thanksgiving (laughs) better not in my head silently i said silently um oh no and then number four I would. It's a tie. It's between Andrew and food because they're my favorite things. Aww. Dog. I, I bet I'm a close second. No. <laughs> well, it depends. Tomorrow. On Thursday, it will be. I mean, food is there for survival, but Andrew's also there for survival, so what's, I guess they're the same. What's more important, me or ice cream? You. I can have ice cream an- behind your back any day. <laughs> that is true. Yes. Uh, but yeah. and I, another thing that I'm kind of sad about is normally I bake and I don't get to do that this year. You're baking. I mean, I'm I'm baking banana bread now so that we don't have yucky bananas when we come back on Saturday. This banana bread is delicious. Um, but I'm actually my aunt actually asked me if I could make pumpkin bars, but I'm not allowed in the kitchen at Andrew's house, so I can't bake. So I don't know what kind of sweets we're going to have. No sweets. <gasps> no, we'll have a sweets. A Thanksgiving without sweets is no, like... No, we'll have sweets. like a world without air. Depending on who's all coming, there'll be... Oh, there might be those, those, uh, those cookies with the Hershey Kiss on top. The peanut butter blossoms? Yeah. Those are always mm. good. 
Those are like Christmas cookies, my, though. No, they might come at Christmas. I don't know. My aunt Cerisa usually makes them. So it depends on if she's coming. But they'll be they'll be desserts, I'm mm-hmm. sure. I hope so. And alcohol. Woo! Yay, alcohol. Because we're bringing it. <laughs> yay, I get full control of the alcohol. All the Miller Lite, no. No Bud Light in this household. Because we are a Miller Lite household. I don't know. We, I are, don't know we are a craft beer household. You're, you're, well, at our house it's craft beer, but your parents are Bud Light people. They don't really, my parents don't really drink, well. Your my, mom likes Bud Light Lime. Bud Light Lime and those, I guess those are Bud, I guess our parents are Bud Light, or Bud people. My dad was a Bush guy, though. Like this Bush Light. Bush Lattes. Bush Lattes. It's like drinking fresh water from a bush. Fresh water from a bush. A Z bush. 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 From Z Bush. That's probably from closer Z-bush. to what it tastes like. Yep. Ha ha ha. Um. What else? I don't like the I don't like the cold. It's we had some snow and we had leaves and we had snow covered leaves and then we had no snow and more leaves and I had to rake it and we raked it. All right, well let's do that. What is the worst part of Thanksgiving? What's the the one thing you don't or fall or whatever the worst. about this time of year? What do you hate the most? What do I hate the most. Um. One thing, well, it was the thing I hated when we were in college was that, like, Thanksgiving was always, like, right before finals, so you couldn't really enjoy your time off because you felt like you needed to, like, study and get last-minute work done. That's something, something that I... It's true. ...that I hated, but that's... Although this year it really isn't... I don't know if that's necessarily the case because it's... We still have another week of... The, um, we still have another week of November before we go into December. That's true, so things are different. But we're out of school now, so it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like that snow in the winter is like rain in the summer. You just can't really predict it. Like, you'd be like, oh, it's not going to snow, and then it just snows like four inches. And you're like, oh, I guess it was going to snow. Mm-hmm. Like, it'll go to, And the fact that we're up in the chugger, we all that lake effect stuff. So all it needs is like a cold front, something to go over the lake. I'm like, oh, no, it's going to drop. Four inches of snow overnight without telling you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the banana bread. Maybe. That's the banana bread. But anyway, I can attend to that in a second. But um, I don't know. What about you? What What is the thing you hate? Celebrating Christmas too early. That really like, and a lot of people they're like, oh, like oh Christmas Christmas makes people happier and blah blah blah. I'm like, but. You gotta give I still have like an equality between Holiday. holidays be equal give everybody their attention well that's the thing about like because Thanksgiving and Christmas are the two holidays that really families get together but they're both within like the last two months of the year mm-hmm. like you don't see them until same time next year like well I for feel some like, people yeah. for some people like for the long like because no like no one really gets together for like Easter or it's harder Groundhog to get together I don't know Arbor Day. Arbor Day, big family gathering. What is it? Indigenous People Day. I mean, Fourth of July, sometimes family gets together. It just kind of depends on the... the... But that was more when I was a kid, that like family would come in for Fourth of July or the summer holidays. Mm-hmm. But like when you're an adult, like, you're really like, oh, like great aunt so-and-so. I get to see you twice a year or once a year because sometimes they alternate. Oh, bitch. Owie. Sorry, Zing- another oh, zinger in hurts. Well, you're, but yours, um, did you really have it that, uh, you had certain family that you'd only see it one holiday or the other, you never got both? Yeah. Or we don't see them at either. 
and they just show up like the day after Christmas, day after Thanksgiving. Right. We had that too. Cause like, oh fuck, sorry. Another one. They're getting close together. It feels like. Someone stabbing you in the gums? How do I describe a zinger? It's like electric. It's like a little shock. And it hurts. Mm. It's like a shock mixed with like blowing cold air on your teeth. Oh. It's like that really... It's almost like a like a brain freeze but like in your mouth. Yes. That's a great way to describe that. Interesting. Well, what Liz is talking about... Or checking on the banana bread. I'm going to keep talking. So... One thing that's not, it's a little different than some people, because some people, if you live far enough from, like, both sides, like, you're both parent sides of the family, you kind of have to play that game where we have to alternate between holidays. Like, Thanksgiving, we'll go to your family, and Christmas, we'll go to my family, and next year, we'll switch. But since growing up, both of the hubs for my parents' families were the same time I grew up in. So, we were always, we never had to go anywhere. We were like four blocks or six blocks from my grandma's house and then we were like within walking distance of my grandpa's house on my mom's side so we typically do is we'd go do like an early lunch or a late lunch like a two o'clock meal at my grandma's house and then around dinner time we'd pack up and go to my mom's side of the family for dinner and then do that and then usually it was about the same thing for christmas but this year it's going to kind of be when Liz is there, it's actually going to be a fused day because both families are older. The kids, a lot of the kids aren't coming in or they're, they're kids. So it's going to be, everyone's going to be under my roof. So it'll be, it'll be a bit different this year. Cause that's one thing that's nice though, is that both sides of my family, at least on like the small, like on the level that actually stays in the area, all get along. So I, I enjoy that. And I think Liz's family is pretty much the same. Like I don't think Liz's fam- family's ever gone anywhere different for Thanksgiving or Christmas because her grand, both her sets of grandparents were both relatively close by. They were both in the suburbs, so it it worked out. And I don't know if Liz has anything to add because I kind of hear her coming back. What? 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 I was asking, you never had to travel for the holidays anywhere because both your sets of grandparents were in the area. Um, we did if I mean, not to, like, my grandparents' house, but one year, my aunt and uncle in Ohio had it. I think we've only, we've done it outside of our house maybe two or three times in my life. Hmm. I don't know. The worst one, though, was when I had to spend Thanksgiving at a hotel, because my brother was having, like, a Thanksgiving, um, he was having a Thanksgiving, like, tournament for his peewee football and we were in Daytona, Florida. Daytona Beach, Florida. So what did you have on the for, off season? So what did you have for Thanksgiving food at the hotel? We they did you go to was, a restaurant? Or? No, they did it in the ball the ballroom at the hotel. It sucked ass. And afterwards, my mom and I went to Cold Stone because that was the only thing that was open so at was Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Mm, it's lovely. But why'd you go all the way to Daytona for your brother's Pee Wee football tournament? I mean, it was something to do, and I don't know, it was different. It is the different. The only thing that kind of stunk was that it was too cold to go swimming. Oh, because it was like an outdoor pool? Because, well, no, it, like you, it was literally like you, on our, um, like our hotel was on the beach, uh, but you couldn't go swimming because it was cold and 
It was November. Yeah, so it wasn't as fun. But that was kind of different. I didn't really like it because it was just my parents and my brother and I. And usually I like it. I like it. I feel like Thanksgiving should be a big holiday. Yeah. And when it was just the four of us, it was just kind of weird. It didn't feel like Thanksgiving because we had still had like my grandparents, my two sets of grandparents and stuff like that. And I felt like we were abandoning them. But I think they ended up going to like parents siblings houses instead right. so they weren't by themselves yeah thanksgiving i feel like is the more family-centered holiday mm-hmm. i feel like christmas i feel like can, you can get away with christmas being like like we could say like hey we're gonna do christmas just us this year mm-hmm. like we're not gonna go anywhere yeah and it wouldn't be as big a deal thanksgiving is, should be about a big family gathering with food and and people kind of and... look at you funny when you say oh i think we're just gonna have like just the Four of us, like a family. We're gonna fuck the sodomites in the... see here um notes okay uh, a tale as okay that's that's beauty and the beast my bad uh hey ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of podcastrophe i'm your amazing host uh pool dead uh now you guys are probably wondering where are dick and tyler why are they not blessing us with their heritage today well here's the deal life kind of got in the way a little bit and uh Dick is actually moving into a new home where we're going to get the new Podcastrophe studio. And then Tyler, he was driving. He was traveling very far away. Actually, I'm not even sure where the hell he went. He just went somewhere the fuck away. So here's what happened. Uh, it kind of came up. They they could not record an episode. So they asked me, Deadpool, to fill in. And uh, I was thinking about, like, what could we do? And how could we do something interesting and fun and different? And I thought... What better way for Podcastrophy to pay tribute to me than to have them talk about me? So, folks, without further ado, let's get into it. This is going to be the Infinity War. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I fucked that up. Podfather, please don't shoot me. This is going to be the Road to Infinity War. Deadpool review by one Podcastrophy. We hope you guys enjoy it. It should be a good time. They're going to be talking about me, Deadpool. It should be a great time. Get excited. The Disney Fox merger is coming soon. And also be sure to check out me in theaters with my best bud, Fred Savage, and Once Upon a Deadpool coming to theaters exclusively December 12th. What's up, everybody? This is Podcastrophy coming at you again on a special edition inside of a special edition. So a little bit of special edition. Special. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is the Road to Infinity War, and we're going to talk about Deadpool today. Which is not part of the MCU. Nope. <laughs> this is bonus, bonus content for all you Patreon patrons on Patreon. <laughs> You're so good at this. <laughs> I'm, do- I'm doing this as autistic as I can. It's awesome. So. <laughs> That's my autism. Oh, I thought you were going to screech. I don't, I can't screech. But, uh, 
So, Deadpool. When it first came out, big controversy. First rated R superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Fans were ready and not ready for that at the same time. Can can I can I just steal this from you and be like let's let's go a step further. Go ahead. Let's go let's go further back to the test footage. Go ahead. Do you remember that? Vaguely. Do you remember the test footage? I vaguely remember it. it. It's literally the opening scene of dead of the movie. Okay. Where it, but it's all CGI and it's actually Ryan Reynolds in a mocap suit. And uh, like they, it, it got leaked, and then okay, I remember that now. It got leaked, and then Fox actually put out. Oh yeah, easy there, fella. Ugh. Then Fox actually like released it, and they're like, "Hey, so," and which is typical, pretty typical of anything that leaks. It's right. like, well, we planned this. Yeah. So. Yeah, that that was awesome. That 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 hyped me up so much. I was like, "Holy shit. Is this real?" And then I found out it was test footage and it wasn't real. But it was definitely I I did find out that it was Ryan Reynolds actually voicing Deadpool and I'm like, "This would be so perfect. Why is this not a thing?" Well, we as fans a, a you know, just a Deadpool cameo is something that I've wanted for a long time and never did I think you know, as a fan or somebody who considers myself above average as far as being able to review and critique movies mm-hmm. and, you know, what is feasible, what's not feasible from the movie studio standpoint. And uh, I never, especially, you know, I, I've always agreed that Ryan Reynolds is the dude that should play Deadpool. Yeah. No one else should play Deadpool. And then we get uh, two terrible movies, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yes. And we get to see uh, Deadpool himself for the first time. And that, that is... Too- we see Wade Wilson. We see We Deadpool. did not see Deadpool. Well... We saw Weapon 11. Okay. That was supposed to be Deadpool. That yeah. was... Their, they was, called him The Deadpool. That was, that, that was their plan, and... That was terrible, and then you know there's complete the complete garbage. There's the whole uh, Green Lantern flop, yeah, which is even worse mm-hmm. than Origins Wolverine. So, and you know both of these problems—that's what they're called. They're not movies; they're problems, right? They—they're they, 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 they both get these problems both get addressed in Deadpool, right? <laughs> like right from the get-go, you see. Uh, um, in the in the opening credits, where it's it's showing like the stop, the paused animation of like all the shit that's going on mm-hmm. in the opening sequence, but you also get the the credits of like a really big douchebag, yep. uh, a British starring a, a British villain, and then like a, a re- some really bad CGI, and it has the Green Lantern trading card <laughs> with Ryan Reynolds, mm-hmm. and then later on you get. Um, Oh, when things go really bad, and then it, it, so it shows the falling action figure of uh, Weapon Eleven, mm-hmm. uh, Origins, Deadpool, and it's like okay, not that bad. <laughs> those those two movies were so bad, and you know, up even it, it's even it's it's hard to to like formulate it because you know I was so excited 
to see Origins Wolverine, and I was so excited just to get more more of the X-Men, and, and, you know, I'm not a big origin story guy. I was excited for that movie. I went to see it in theaters, and uh, that movie was so bad, and then, you know, you get to see Ryan Reynolds as uh, Wade Wilson, and it's like, man, this, this, he, he's got the mouth. Yeah. You know, he's the Merc with the mouth. This, he's the Merc with the mouth. This is, uh, this is, this is good. I like this. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then it just became shit the rest of the movie. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, surely after this, they, they won't, they're, they're done with it. They've, they've fell on their face and they, they made Deadpool so bad that we're not going to get anything else. You know, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll be so afraid to touch it that they won't go back. And then they do. Yeah. And it's fucking awesome. And, and it's all because of that test footage. Right. Which that test footage got the fans super excited and they're like and they're like make this happen. Make this fucking happen. And that's really cool because look at how many times in any form of media entertainment when we should be, you know, fans cry out for something and then it never happens. Mhm. So it's really cool that Basically, through sheer will and determination, the fans made Deadpool happen. Yeah. Because otherwise, that would have been the only major thing that we had, was watching Weapon 11 teleport around and do stupid shit against Wolverine with swords for arms. Yeah, adamantium katana arms. Yeah, that would have been all we had. And uh, Cyclops lasers and teleportation and teleportation and healing factor yeah uh, uh, uh. there are some other things he was able to do too but i can't really remember because he had he had several different uh mutant powers anyway let's go to the let's go to the good movie yeah so let's go to the, the let's talk about the thing good we're here movie. for <laughs> deadpool Fucking awesome. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about The Room. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Deadpool, awesome from start to finish. Like, start with the opening credits with all the little, like, punches at the people. And, mm-hmm. and uh, just hilarious. Um, the, the All the fourth wall breaking. Well, and that, that specifically is something that's really awesome because... You, you know, I talk a lot about how Disney or Fox or anybody don't truly nail what a superhero character really is in the comics. Mm-hmm. They fucking nailed Deadpool. Oh, yeah. With all the fourth wall breaking that he does and, and that, the type of shit that he says. A lot of that, I, I, it was so much Ryan Reynolds. Oh, absolutely. He, he championed that and, you know, he made, he made that movie successful mm-hmm. on a $40 million budget. Super low budget. Which, some of that budget was his own money. Really? Yeah, if I remember right, he he contributed some of the money for the production value of that. Interesting. Let me pull it up just to make sure I'm not making this up. But, uh... So... 
I've, I've talked a little bit on the last review that we did, and I talk about it a lot on Podcastrophy. How do you feel about the cast of Deadpool? Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Ed Scrain did a really good job as uh, Ajax. I, I don't... I as a person who's never read a Deadpool comic, but being a giant fan, uh, I knew about Ajax, but I didn't know that much about him. So uh, his portrayal of Ajax, not really sure. I enjoyed him in the movie, so uh, there's that. Uh, Colossus, whoever they got to play Colossus, awesome job okay. making Boy Scout Russian. I want to I want to talk about that a little bit because, you know, we get Colossus um, as like a late teens early 20s man in x2 in x2 and it's very underwhelming you know colossus is this super strong super pivotal part of the x-men and he doesn't do shit i don't even i don't even know that he has any dialogue in x2 i don't think he did but all he really did was um go all colossus-y and uh deflect some bullets and save some kids right save some students but, you know, as a fan, seeing Colossus like that, it's like, oh my god, he should be doing so much more. And then the amount of comedy that he brings to Deadpool <laughs> is just fucking fantastic. <laughs> well, it's always it's always great pairing, like, those super serious, like, like virtuistic characters with, with Deadpool, <laughs> who is just gonna, who's just gonna totally feed off of that, like goody two-shoes mentality right or that goody two-shoes spirit that like like say cable or well, i don't know much about cable but he in from the deadpool game cable's not a goody two-shoes dude no but from the game he was super serious like yep, he know. is and so so to, and it's always fun watching deadpool like just be the the complete antithesis of that right and not he's not evil but like He's just, he just goes against anything that's like... Well, he's an anti-hero. Yeah, exactly. He's supposed to be that way. Yeah. That's why all of my favorite character, or most of my favorite characters in the MCU are anti-heroes. That's mm-hmm. why I like the Guardians so much. That's why I like Deadpool. Um, lost my train of thought there for a second. That's why I like the Punisher. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Venom is a big, you know, he's a villain and then an anti-hero, and then a villain and then an anti-hero. Yeah. You know, he goes back and forth. That's why I love those characters so much, because it's not sunshine and rainbows coming out of your ass all the time. It's, you know, I'm I'm a super powerful dude, and sometimes I'm going to have to hurt some people or not necessarily do the mm-hmm. the the super, you know, paragon of civilization type thing to get shit done. Sometimes shit just needs to get done. Yes. And that's what Deadpool's there for. To do it with some style and some panache. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what do you think about TJ Miller oh, as I, Weasel? I okay, first of all, when it's for a lot of his scenes, they weren't that they weren't as funny as they could have been. But when it comes down to like the the whole scene where he's like, Oh wow, you look like a you look like a, a a topographical map of Utah face was face fucked by Freddy Krueger or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you look like a an avocado fucked an an older uglier avocado. <laughs> <laughs> just the blooper reel on that alone, where he was just saying shit over like just continuously saying shit, and they were just picking and choosing what yep. to use. 
Oh, that that's just gold. I uh, per, I personally think I love I, I TJ love, Miller same. as a comedian. I love him too. He's fucking hilarious. You know, you want to? We talked about improv with Chris Pratt. TJ Miller is a guy that can walk into a room. Oh yeah, and you can be like, I want you to go on and talk for fifteen minutes about tangerines, and he will say the most fucked up, hilarious mm-hmm. shit about anything at the drop of a hat. Uh huh. And you know, you watch, you can watch dozens of uh interviews with him and he is the he's the same in every single one of them he just talks and whatever he says is just hilarious yep it's not it's not like he he doesn't act he doesn't act and he doesn't need to yeah he's done a really good job of just portraying himself what's wrong with being childish i like being childish before i go i just want to tell you you are fantastic never trust dark it's just a way to hide your face that's the exciting thing Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. Why are you pointing your screwdrivers like that? They're scientific instruments, not water pistols. Gallifrey! Yes, this must be where I live. And back to reality. And we're back. So you guys had some other Doctor Who news, I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had mentioned to me earlier today that... Uh, rumor has it that Jodie Whittaker and the new showrunner are not going to be returning after 2019. Rumor, they done. Rumor, rumor has it. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Is that Adele? Yeah. It is Adele. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> I love that we just did that. That was great. The worst. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> anyway, it's late. We've had a lot of turkey. Yeah. <laughs> turkey tripping, turkey tripping, uh, turkey and whiskey and turkey tripping on Gallifradio. Yeah, Time with traveling. Grandpa Dandy. Anyway, what the fuck were we talking about? We were talking about news, and you were saying, "Oh yeah, they're not planning on coming back." That's the rumor has it. Who's who's planning on not coming back? I said that Jody Whittaker and Chris Chibnall. It's very important to note that the showrunner yeah. is actually the reason that she will be leaving. If Jody departs from the series, it's only because Chris Chibnall is leaving. Yeah, what's happening? Well, they kind of have this budding friendship because of Broadchurch. That's why they are working together here. Good fit because of Broadchurch. They work together there. So it just seems in tandem, and she doesn't trust a new showrunner bringing and making her doctor not what she wants. So what you're saying is that that's going to make room for John Pertwee's son to be the new doctor. That would be great. We need that. BBC, make that happen. I would sign a petition. Gotham is going to be over. He's going to be available. The 14th doctor. Hire him. Make it a thing. Hire him. And just, and would you, now let me ask you a question. Would you have him return as Pertwee and make it like no? A he would be his own doctor. Okay, so he would be his own doctor. Okay, but that, they so. would make have nods. to wear like yeah, he would. There would ha- he'd have to have that car, some kind of car named Bessie or a callback. Yeah, maybe he'd yeah. actually bring Bessie back. That would be interesting. Yeah, when has yeah. the doctor wow. had like a vehicle like that? Long, you know, long, well, not actually. And, technically speaking, the last time he had a vehicle was the fiftieth when he had the motorcycle. Yeah, but he would have to bring back some dramatic flair. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. We need a bit of flair. Mm-hmm. I like that, but I would you? Little, I need a little need flair. Italian black boots. Would you reference uh, like? Yeah. Would you make it almost a joke? Like, oh, I almost got my face how I used to have it. Like I tried. <laughs> you know, like it's a close or representation. No, say something like, well, this looks awfully familiar. Or something. Yeah, yeah, you, you yeah, some, yeah. You'd have to come up with some kind of clev- clever nod if you do yeah, that. BBC, yeah, BBC, figure it out, please. My question, Kisses. and actually, I have a question. Would they give him a lisp? Is Ooh. the real question. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's so happy. Yo, I would know, like, just really in, like, happy. when he's like in regeneration <laughs> mode, and then he like kind of can come out of it. Yo, hamfisted bonvenda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> Bring that back. 
bring it back. Or maybe his companion can be like the same name. The what was it, Joe? It, well, well, third Doctor sure. has three companions: Liz Shaw, yeah. Joe Grant, and then mm-hmm. Sarah Jane. Mm-hmm. Which uh, you know, interesting because yeah, she. Yeah, I well, mostly just watched a lot of Joe Grants because yeah. we kind of got you That's locked into that second season of Pertwee mm-hmm. because it kind of like Terror of the Autons. You know, there's all there's all these episodes within there. Obviously, there's the uh, the three doctors that runs during that serial. But mm-hmm. uh, in that first season, man, that's an interesting John Pertwee. It's interesting, like he boxes somebody, fist fight. <laughs> I yeah, love how physical John Pertwee's doctor was. Yes. I know. Like he yeah. was like he was a, like a James Bond. Yeah, he was like motherfucking James Bond. Yeah, I've said it before on the Ooh. show, but he you know he has a tattoo as well, yeah. and that shows. So the doctor has a tattoo and that's lore. dope. Which is cool. Ooh, you know who yeah. would make a really good James Bond is uh, John Pertwee's son. Yeah. Sean. Sean. Sean Pertwee. Sean Pertwee. John and Sean Pertwee. Yeah. Yeah, there we, you go. You'll never I forget that. I really no. wish that that would happen. Let's manifest that. Man, that would be right interesting. Now. Make that happen, too. Okay, so yeah. if you're going to have him jobs. as the new doctor, who do you bring on as a new showrunner? Do you guys have anybody who directs anything from Britain that you're like, oh, man, if they took over Doctor Who? I have one. I've said it earlier, obviously, but I'm gonna let you guys. I don't know. I don't watch enough British TV right now. Okay, to fair know enough. who's like out there doing things. Fair enough, V. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I know. I well, I kind of agree with your pick, Nate. You want to just go ahead and spill the beans because yeah, yeah, that I think would that's... be my answer. So yeah, well, I yeah. really do believe that if you're gonna have somebody take over the show, they need to already know Doctor Who. They need to already have a love for long, drawn-out shows that kind of tell bigger arcing stories because I think that's very important. And who better than somebody who has been in the Doctor Who universe, who has directed episodes of Doctor Who? I don't, I don't, don't sleep on the fact he has been a director as well. And he, maybe at some point we'll look up what episodes Mark Gaddis directed. But uh, Mark Gaddis is the perfect. The perfect choice for the future showrunner of Doctor Who if Chris Chibnall decides to leave. I think that Gaddis has the history behind the show. He has a love, a genuine love for the show. Mm. And, uh, you know, I I guess I'm going to need to really hear what episodes he directed before I fully decide if he has the no with all or the elbow grease to take over the series. Um, hopefully he didn't direct the Unquiet Dead episode because I'll cry. Because uh, that episode to me is just so... Why are you always hating on that episode? I just, you know what? It's weird. The Gelf storyline, I get the the whole thing and I know the story. I've, I've seen that episode fucking a million times. It's just like witchy and stuff. It's just Just boring. let it be witchy. It's just boring. It's boring and too much like you Beetlejuice. You remember that episode, right? What? The one that he's always ragging on? It's that boring. episode of Doctor Who that's got Gwen from uh, Torchwood. Before she's actress. Gwen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That one, and it was like in the funeral parlor or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was all witchy and stuff. Yeah, I dug that. Yeah, I know. Nate he doesn't like that one. that one. He hates it. I remember it. when we watched it, he's like, man, I don't like this episode. Yeah, he always <laughs> says that. He's been saying that for like 10, 12, however long. That's funny. <laughs> long time. Well, I was looking up Mark at uh, Guinness on uh, tardis.wikia.com. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, Mark Gettis. Uh Yeah, main roles in the uh, Doctor Who universe was the captain. Richard Lazarus and the master. And can I just say for a composer, because we were watching that show yesterday, Nate, uh-huh. uh, DC Titans. Is that what it's called? Titans. Titans. Yeah. It's really good. I actually think you might like it, but it's uh, the music is good. It's these two guys. I don't remember 
who the two guys are. I looked them up and I was reading about all the stuff that they did, but there's parts of it that like sound like Silent Hill music. Like mm-hmm. it's good. It's interesting. I think it would be they would be really good doing Doctor Who. That's sweet. I don't remember who um I don't remember who that is now. Damn. Oh, that's what Gad has produced. He is not he has not written or, or he has not directed at least any Doctor Who. He He's might have written contributed some. nine scripts and made four guest appearances. But he did he was an executive producer on and this is something I want to watch this year as well for the show, An Adventure in Time and Space. Hmm. And that is the retelling of the first Doctor becoming the Doctor and all the behind the scenes story and how it all came to be. It really tells you the history of Doctor Who in a beautiful way. Mm. It's a great callback today considering it's the 55th anniversary, actually. I think that's a great thing to throw at people. Um, It's a dramatization of the early years of Doctor Who with the story revolving around BBC executive Sidney Newman, novice producer Verity Lambert, and actor William Hartnell. And uh, David Bradley from... uh, He was uh, Walda Frey. Mm, Game um, of Thrones. Yeah, David Bradley's William Hartnell in this. He does a fantastic job. All right, well, let me ask you this. Going back to our original topic here of sure. uh, Jodie Whittaker and the showrunner leaving, mm. we were talking mm-hmm. about who we would want to have run the show. Who would you want to have play the Doctor besides Alfred from Son. Gotham? Oh, man. You know, this that is... was my pick. I want to hear your guys' pick. Well, that's always been mine. Excellent. That, that's Great. I'm been, glad we're on the same fucking page. That's I've been saying that for since I watched the first episode of Gotham when it came out. It was like the first thing I said. Yeah, he would be You're a right. great doctor. You're absolutely right. Think, Nate? Yeah. Um Man, this is difficult. Because it's like where do you go? You do do you pick somebody a little bit older, kinda like how they have been uh in the past? Do you pick somebody younger like they did? Do you pick a woman? Do you pick a man? I mean, there's like all these different options. Uh, honestly, I don't know if you stick with the woman regeneration if Jody leaves immediately. I think there needs to let her breathe as the doctor and let it be impactful that she was the first female doctor. It's very important in the history of the story. Again, uh, so you think it should be a man? So I do think it should be a dude. And honestly... You know what would be dope? Oh my god, it would be swank. They've said that he should be they said that he should be James James Bond, but fuck that. He should play the doctor. Fucking uh Idra Elbis. Oh. From uh he plays mm. Heimdall in uh Guard- er, in Thor. Thor. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. That's uh, funny that that's what you know him from. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was also yeah, in right? the, the he was also <laughs> in the Marvel. The Dark Tower series, right? He's in a lot of stuff. He's been in a lot of stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's been around. He was in Lucifer, I think, in the BBC. That was his first big show, I think. Hmm. Or um, Luther, maybe? Was Luther. What it was called. Luther. <laughs> Not Lucifer. That's a, that's a current <laughs> show, I think. That's like a network TV show, yeah. Yeah, 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 my fault. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or we can go completely left field and have like the actress that plays Michonne. <laughs> Oh, oh my shit. God, Denai Gararia would yeah. be fucking amazing as the But like doctor. kind of as... She'd be super intense. That'd be awesome. Yeah, not a Michonne character, but like that like Amazonian type of character, you know, because mm-hmm. that, that's like larger than life, you know? Mm-hmm. That's a type of... That's a totally different type of woman. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you saying, you saying that was making me think. I feel like these 
showrunners, Moffat did it, right? He did little callbacks, used the Daleks, used the Cybermen, used the Weeping Angels that he created and whatnot. You know, used the Zygons again and shit and whatnot. The Zygons. Um, you know, with the Zygon yeah. invasion, Zygon inversion or whatever, that episode that happens in Series 9 that we're getting ready to get into. Uh, but I feel like they always are like, I have to be different. I need to dare to be different. I need to do things differently. And they never go, man, do you know what would blow the fans' fucking minds right now? If Jodie Whittaker showed up on a planet and Jack Harkness was there. Oh, my or God. if Jodie Whittaker goes yes. back to somewhere else and all of a sudden who comes around the corner but fucking River Song. And it's like, oh, wait, oh, what the fuck is happening? Who are you? So and it's pleased. her trying to convince her, like, no, yeah. it's me. I'm the doctor. I remember you. You're River Song. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't know her, really. You know, mm -hmm. it's like the very, very first time River's well, meeting him. did we ever see the doctor's wedding? Yes, mm -hmm. we do. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, we did. We did. Okay. Trenzalore. That's mm -hmm. right. That's right. I was trying to remember. Um it's been a while for that one. There's also something we haven't talked about in regards to those two leaving. Yeah. Or possibly leaving. What said, it is. said that, um, I'm reading this Google article here, and it said this story claims that the pair will leave after a second season together next year, which, due to their disagreements with BBC bosses, is likely to consist of only six episodes. This compares to the current mm -hmm. season's run of ten episodes. And this, is, this goes back to what I was telling you off air, that Chris Chibnall is saying that it is impossible with the way they schedule things to only get 10 episodes done. I think he's too much of a perfectionist. I think they're maybe diving too deep. I mean, the production in this season has been amazing. The only issue, as I have a little bit of indigestion there thanks to Thanksgiving, <laughs> uh, the gobble, only issue... Gobble. Yeah, gobble, gobble. The only issue I see is uh, I just... I, I keep feeling like... Chris Chibnall is just trying to change too much. And that's going to lead into my next thing with, with what they're doing. You know, Chris Chibnall pissed and moaned, and I hate to say it like that, and complained and said, I don't want to do a Christmas special. I don't want to do a Christmas special. And by God, he's getting what he's asked for because we're not getting a Christmas special this year. We that's tackled right. that on the last episode. But since then, there has been an update, a little bit of a, a um, um, breaking news on this story, as it were, because... There will be a New Year's Day episode now. No Christmas. Now we're getting it on New Year's. What do you guys think of that? Does it really uh, matter it's that like much? The, the first time in thirteen years or some shit, right? Yeah, since the so, since, yeah. since two thousand five when yeah. the Doctor returned to television. Yeah, it goes along with the. They said on, on talking over the show, Jim Jimnell said he wouldn't be featuring any of the show's established mon monsters such as Daleks or Cybermen. Instead, new alien foes, including the Pating, have been depicted. Uh, the series has also reintroduced historical stories, which have tackled subjects ranging from U.S. civil rights campaign Rosa Parks. We all remember the the Rosa we Parks episode with the music. <laughs> Hashtag we remember. <laughs> to the uh, yeah, yeah 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 okay so he's doing things differently. He's just really trying to shake it up, and I like get it. You're trying to leave your mark. But don't leave your mark being a dumbass and not using the tools you have in your oh. in your. In, I real, I mean, I really. I'm not Going trying to be there. mean. That's I'm not. Bad. I'm not trying to be mean. But like seriously, think about it. Jodie Whittaker, the first female doctor. How important is this in history? In the history of the show, yeah. and she's been and great she's and universally not, praised by critics and fans alike. You mean right. to fuck, You mean to tell me? Just I want you guys to think about this. 
that she's never going to go up against a Dalek, never going to see a Cyberman. How is that robbing these people? Think about that well, amazing maybe moment. Season, maybe in the six episode thing, it, they'll break it but up then, into like two well, little story arcs. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Then what do you do? Half of the story arc is Daleks. Half of the story arc is Cybermen. Woo, we're done with our oh, series. Whatever. Like, I'm just... I'm worried that right now Chris Chibnall is kind of fucking putting a landmine in Doctor Who, and he's real close to blowing this bitch up and doing the wrong thing. It's time for Brews with Dudes. Ah, juicy. Now, I'm just ready to get get on yeah, into it. Yeah. So, so I'm thirsty. Are we, what are we starting with, Casey? 420. 420. This is an IPA, right? It smells floral. Mm. It goes down so easy. So smooth. Smooth. I always equate it to the Bell's Too Hearted. I think it's super crushable. Has a lot of flavor. I think it's Sweetwater's main beer. Oh. If I'm I'd not, actually yeah. put this at a lighter tone than the Two Hearted. Two Hearted's yeah. crushable, but this seems like I could drink this no matter Super what. Super crushable. Yeah, it's my vault beer. Anytime I go down to the vault, that's it what was, I was gonna yeah, say. It's, oh, my, yeah. it's, it's my, my mug. It's my mug beer. When I, when I get uh, huge if ass I'm mug. not getting my uh, zombie dust, <laughs> cheap ass bullshit. <laughs> The act that what he's actually drinking. He's not actually drinking zombie dust, which I just had a fresh one last night. Uh, Tex brought one over. It was phenomenal. I think he said it was uh, bottled two days before. Yeah. Oh, that sounds the great. 420 beer, you just can't go wrong. That actually You're does sound really good. A fresh, fresh, full, a, fresh. a fresh, real zombie dust sounds yeah. good. But anyway, Casey, we can yeah. cut you off. No, I was just saying, anytime you go out, you just can't go wrong with 420. If you're new to Sweetwater, if you see that on tap, just go ahead and order it. You won't be disappointed. This, this comes off as a great shower beer as well. Oh, absolutely. This is definitely a shower beer. Do, what, do we know the percentage on this one? It can't be terribly high. No, I'd have to look. I don't think it is. I feel like it's I want to say six. it's like five and a half, six. Yeah, I think it's like in that five and a half, six range. Very low IBU as well. Not not very bitter at all. Not no. very bitter at all. No. But like I, I, I get a lot of the floral, like I said at the beginning. Um. We're just gonna we're just gonna stomp on through these since we're not uh, not having huge samples. Um, next up, we're jumping into the blueberry wheat ale. I think they just call it blue. Sweetwater blue. You pull it up. And Sweet try blue. Try, show oh, the case try not to pull the bottle out from under it. Uh, yeah, we got the. This bad boy's four point six. Case there for everybody go. who can see it here. One's upside down, or it might. Yeah, one's upside down, one right side for you, but that's it's fine. that's fine. This one's pretty good. I always think blueberry beers they're either good or terrible. There's ones that just Ooh, it's it got smells, a good smell. Yeah, it smells subtle. It smells like a muffin. I like muffins. Ooh, subtle Ooh. is the word. Yeah, it's, it's just subtle. a little hint of it, and then boom, it's gone. It's like somebody made a drink out of muffin mix. Not quite the muffin <laughs> itself, but the mix. Yeah, yeah like when we're we the, did, there's more of a prominent blueberry flavor, but it's not quite as muffiny. Yeah, when we did the Saga Talk one, we had the blueberry lemonade shandy. I felt like that was a absolute knockout blueberry in your face. Where this is more of like a jab. This is just a yeah, little, little get little, you some. Little just yep setting what, you up. What's the one? There's another company that does a blueberry. 
beer, and it's just so strong. It's so it's almost syrupy. Syrupy. This yeah. is not at all. This is just. It's got that that subtle flavor. I know who you're talking. About. I'm trying to think of that is, but yeah, there's another blueberry beer, and it just tastes syrupy, and is just all the way in your face. Where this is nice, just a light. Here's some blueberry, and then it's gone. Yeah, this is delicious. I could drink the hell out of this. Four point six. That's someone looking out for you. Dangerous is the word. It's like, man, this is tasty. I'm going to smash one, and then it's gone. You're going to get another and go, hold up. Let's try this again. Yeah, mine's gone. I'm not going to lie. I broke into this case early just to give you a heads up. We're supposed to wait till Friday. I had my first one Tuesday. (laughs) I like how you said your first one, meaning that there was a couple in between. If we run out of of these tonight, it's my fault. It is 100% my fault. But that's the benefit of... The person walks in and you're like, we're actually out. Yeah, we're out already. Yeah. That's one of the sweet benefits, though, of like, this is your bar. So you can be like, well, I'm going to drink this now. Right. Because... At least it's I'm mine. admitting it's me. <laughs> right. What do you guys want to get into next? We got the Mosaic. We got the G13. We got the one that I don't get to partake in, the Going Coastal. Uh, we'll wait on that one. Let's do okay. the easy, uh, the Hop Hash. Yeah, okay. The hop hash. Okay, we can do that. These guys are very, uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm going to use my it's, it, my word of the night is going to be subtle because I've said it six times already. Let's, They're not very subtle. <laughs> let's, let's be subtle about this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hop hash, 420. Um, Sweetwater, they're, where are they from? Is it North Carolina? Georgia. Georgia? Mm. What are Maraganja laws in, in Georgia like? I don't really know. I don't even really know what they're like here except um, don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, currently working on doing it medical currently <laughs> <laughs> working on doing it they're trying to do it mike pence is going to come back from being the vice president and he's going to he's going to open marijuana farm. he's going to legalize crucifixions that's what happened to god damn it wow. <laughs> what was his name he's not going to be subtle uh, about it at all <laughs> what was his name the guy i think he's from kentucky they always called him boner boner john boner do you remember him no he was in uh He's either a senator or congressman. Boner sounds right, though. He pronounced it Boehner, but it was absolutely spelled Boner. But he was in the Senate forever. And then once, like right before he went out of office, he eased up on the marijuana laws in his state that he was going back to, retired from the Senate, and then went invested in marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it. Good for that guy. Right. Good for that guy. I always yeah. said that was going to be Trump's, the way that he could he could win over Democrats was but by saying, like, I'm going to get in, I'm going to The can for it. everybody that you can see. Hopefully you can see through that phone call. Have you call. guys tried this yet? I don't think I've had this one. All right, try this, this one and then guess the alcohol content. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. All right, let's see what we got. Ooh, that smells dank. Nine. I'm going to say seven and a half. Four point two. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. It packs a. It does say easy. How's down with that? Well, you said subtle, and that is sweet water. They don't yeah. overdo any of their they, flavors. They, they don't tricked us. Yeah, but it's nice because that's the old. When you go out drinking, it's what kind of night am I going to have? Well, here, am I going to? Am I all in on the nine or ten percent beer, or am I going to be able to drink a few of these? But yeah, I think for flavor, this is for four point two. 
firing all day long. That's got a high IBU and it threw me off. Mm-hmm. This is awesome. It's very much so hops you right in the mouth. I'm gonna hop you right in the <laughs> mouth. And I, I don't. We don't always talk about. That. Are you guys more can or bottle or draft, or does it just depend on the beer? I would say draft is the best. Draft is great. Uh, then I, w- I would take a bottle. I'd take a bottle oh. if if I'm going for like a light beer, one of those just you know highly Cans. highly produced, just all over there. I'm gonna get a can because it just tastes better out of can than those for some reason. I'm definitely a draft to can. That Actually, is, I'm more of a almost as can and draft as a push. That'd be a fun argument. If everyone go home and decide and get like a really hardened stance, <laughs> like yeah, like dig, just get firm, dig your feet into the ground well, with your opinions. So I'm, we a, can I'm a, I'm have a, an hour long discussion about the pros and cons. So I'm a, I'm a more of a can guy than draft or a bottle, mainly because I have all this beard in my face, which yeah. might be changing soon, and I'm gonna go nuts on the draft because I can just not worry about it getting all over just in my face. Get it all up in your face. See, I'm a koozie person. Like, I just break them out out of nowhere. Like, mm-hmm. we could be anywhere. I'm going to rip a koozie out normally somewhere. <laughs> so, I feel like bottle koozies never fit right. I always think they're goofy. Hmm. But on a tall boy can, or just a can in general, I always feel like koozies fit just right. I do like a good koozie, and I like a good excuse to use a koozie. You do. I See, do. this is me you swaying do. you. This is... These are bullet points on yeah. where I got to get you on to being a can oh. person. My pros are filling up fast. <laughs> I'm just riding along with it. This is delicious. I don't think, I guess I haven't actually been to the liquor store in a while. Can I buy this? I think so. Around They're town? in the 15 packs, which yeah. is always nice. Give me the 15 pack or the 30 pack. I think I've over seen Sweetwater yeah, we somewhere more. recently. Like I've, It's been forever since I've been to a liquor store too, but I was uh, actually a Heading over to Zach and Brett's, and we're going to play this new card card game that they got, and it was this drinking game, so we needed a lot of beer, so I went and got a 15-pack of something. And I swear I saw a Sweetwater 15-pack, but I was just shied away from it because I saw one of my old-time favorite beers there, so I was like, well, I'll get this. When the reps get here later, I'll have to ask them because they would know where they are. So you guys might have to, on the next Brews with Dudes, give a little update on that where they can get some of this action. Yeah, definitely. I would love to have some of this at home. Yeah, definitely. So what are we thinking, the old G13 or Mosaic? Let's do it. We've Let's not, do G13. I haven't tried the G13. This one looks hazy. I know, because these, I mean, look at that. Like, after sitting there a little bit. It's got a little bit of. And I'm not going to lie, when you're pouring it back there, it smells delicious. Is this one off a yeah. of draft? Yeah, this is the, this is draft. Yeah, that is. Oh, my goodness. That smells like See juice. See that? That is like, that looks like juice. That smells real good. It is. And if you're at home right now watching this, if you come in tonight, you get your special G13 glassware to take home. Oh, shit. Oh, damn. I got a sneak peek at those, and they look pretty pretty sweet. They're the, <laughs> That's a good beer. The Nonic glasses. They're subtly. They have a subtle well, opening coolness yeah, for, the, to for the smell. They've got, uh, they got some love handles. As Evan would say, get you a sniff. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Wow. That tastes like marijuana, fellas. That is. Ooh. That's dank. Oh, that that gave me some goose flesh over here. Wow. My that hairs is, are on end. That is really juicy. Super hazy. I mean, have you guys... I haven't had anything bad from Sweetwater yet, right? Mm-mm. Like, everything I've ever had from them is pretty legit. And if you're somebody yeah. that likes these this style of beer... I would say go adventure and take all as much as you can. 
Yeah, this is this is an IPA too. Yeah, this is the G13. This is their like special specialty beer, specialty strain. That's what one. they like to say. Yeah. yeah. So this was like the hookup tonight, getting this beer. Mm. Like if oh, I'm not okay, we, then we yeah we might be the only people to have this in town right now. That get might be some. right. I mean, I don't want to say that without knowing, get but some. it's definitely not well, not out there. Prevalent. Say it in any way and make them prove you wrong. Yeah. Right. There right. you go. Tell us where. Tell or us. Come here and drink it here. Yeah. Well, this is guaranteed spot to drink it, or you can run around and hope you can and fail and feel sad because you didn't come here. Your choice. What are we going to drink next? We're down to the mosaic and the going coastal. All right, let's do the let's do the uh, let's do the mosaic, and then we'll close out with the uh, with the pineapple. This again. This is on draft tonight. Mosaic. Hmm. Become actually very popular. A, I was just gonna I'm a fan the of the mosaic hops, actually. So this one sounds like it's just going to be good before I get into it. Yeah, it's like probably the most popular one that right and, now. Uh, right? Idaho like, Seven. I'm yeah, really a big Idaho Seven fan. This one has a super dank smell. Have you smelled this? I've not. No. This is probably the dankest of the dank. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I'm going to tell you this right oh, now. Man. If you're driving around, you may not even want to have this in your car. This, uh, this might get you in trouble. This smells like it should be illegal. Oh, that's hilarious! That would get someone in trouble. It, it smells like I don't want to go to work after drinking this. Yeah, <laughs> or if you went to work and got pissed, as you'd be in trouble. Yeah, that's what I mean. This. Like I don't want to drink this and then get up the next day and like be like, "Oh fuck oh, me!" Man. That goes down super easy. Yeah, when we tapped that, I literally had to look at one of the other employees and be like, "Dude, keep that shit at home. You know, <laughs> keep, keep that shit at home." <laughs> oh wait, it's just it's just this beer. mosaic beer. Yeah, you put your nose in this, and and the cops can be asking you to get out of the car. Wow. Oh my goodness. I bet that's sticking on your breath too. That's what I'm saying. This is a dangerous. This is a get you in trouble one. Definitely Uber. Uber. Nothing not I've ever ingested. Well, Uber thing. anyway. If you're drinking. Well, no, I'm saying even if you buy from the liquor store. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I mean, yeah. Uber to this, the store. Maybe ride your yes. bike. <laughs> That was delicious. That was. It's going to be hard to decide what the best one was. Well, this is the one that you guys are going to have to tell me about. That I, I'm not going to have a vote, but I'll pour. Yeah. yeah. This we, next one is the Going Coastal IPA with pineapple. Yeah. And if you are an avid Bruce with Dudes listener, you know Casey cannot consume pineapple. He learned the hard way several times. Several times. We, do, we do not. Like, he could probably have it, but. I don't think there's an EpiPen in hand, and we don't want to just drive them straight to the hospital. It's not worth it. 420. Yeah, they wear it, they wear it on their sleeve, clearly. Um, uh, we got T-shirts. Got the T-shirts in. Uh, need, I'm not wearing mine. I'm actually wearing my Doom Room. Yeah, we just got our Dickies bowling picture the other day. That was a nice picture. Good luck. The Bruce would do his bowling team. Yeah. So pick up your T-shirt. Uh, we'll throw a link in the description. Um, shout out to Nate Phillips and the Journey to Comics Network for hosting us. Yep. You guys shout are fucking awesome. 